This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. How are we all doing? The Christmas countdown has begun. The songs are on the radio. We're getting into the vibe. Those people are putting all them decorations up outside the house that they can't afford. And they've got the lecky on the fiddle. Um, and uh, we uh, we have big smiling faces here. Uh, you can't see it, obviously, but I can. Um, because the mighty Reds roar on and roar on. Whatever you listen to this, once again, thank you very, very much uh, for supporting Poetry in Motion and Ali LaRouge and all of the Blood Red Banner uh, online podcasts and stuff like that. Thank you very much. Uh, we really, really appreciate your support. Um, talking about all things mighty and all things red, a fantastic night last night. We've got a couple of games uh, since our last podcast, but Liverpool um, seems to be just roaring into gear. I'm joined by two heavyweights to discuss Liverpool's heavyweight um, performance last night. Against that other team, can't think what they're called now. Uh, anyway, Dan Kay is with us. How are you doing, Dan? I'm all right. Still a little bit croaky after singing uh, the praises of our boys in the the Upper Bullens Road stand last night. But um, it's a uh, it, it's a uh, it's a nice sore head. You know, it's uh, lovely to wake up on a morning like this and think, yeah, the Reds mean business. And, and after that slightly iffy run of form before the international break, like you say, we've come roaring back and. Have put a bit of a marker down, I think, for the rest of the league that this team means business. Absolutely. Was it a few courses of Rafa's at the wheel, was it? That was only right towards the end, but there was there was there was the, the Labamba got there was the Labamba. There was plenty of Rafa Rafa got plenty of love from the away end because let's face it, he was never going to get any from the home sections, no. was he? So no, we had to we had to show the fellow what we still think of him. And I don't think he ever will. And and I'm sure he I'm sure he must have known that going to the job, which makes it even more crazy. Joe Rimmer is also with us as well. Hi Joe, how you doing, pal? Good, thanks. Just just um, laughing because you called us heavyweights, but I think if if I got on Dan's shoulders, I don't think we'd we'd equate to a heavyweight. We'll be uh, no, you well, not size wise. You, you you can't see my ass in the picture, though, Joe. <laughs> 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 you need to go for that. You look actually looking quite trim. The pair of you, Joe. You were sitting particular. Sorry to talk about visual stuff. People listening to this walking across a freezing cold field trying to avoid dog muck with your dogs, no doubt. Um, but uh, you're looking very svelte, Joe. Have you um, have you been leaving the old uh, advent calendars alone for now? <laughs> I, you know what? I have an open mind yet, and I, I am usually a big advent calendar fan. But yeah, no, um, thanks very much. If the listeners want to close their eyes and imagine a svelte Joe Rimmer, I won't, um, I won't blame them. Well, according to my advent calendar, it's Boxing Day. Uh, so <laughs> uh, let's get going. All things Liverpool anyway. Um, as we all sit here as fans and everyone listening to this right now, as Liverpool fans, I've said it before and I'll say it again, what a glorious, glorious time to be a Liverpool fan. It always is anyway. Being a Liverpool fan is a wonderful thing anyway. But when you're seeing a team playing the way this team are playing at the moment, uh, Joe Rimmer, it can just it just puts a smile on your face. Does it? it doesn't matter who the opponents are. Last night was just a happy bonus. The fact of the matter is this team is pairing, isn't it? It's starting to feel like a team that instinctively know where the other players are going to be. Thiago's slotting in really nicely. Um, and they're looking formidable, Joe, are they not? Oh, they are. You know, they seem to have combined the, the title-winning sort of strength, you know, and, 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 and consistency with 2017-18's just fluidity and, and the, the way they the way they scored goals that season. And what I love about it, it's just relentless. You know, yesterday from the word go, Everton, you know, Liverpool created a chance in the first minute and then in the second minute and then it's like another one in the fifth, another one and then eventually they get the breakthrough and you must think playing against this team it just must be 
horrible, wasn't it? Because they just come out here and they, they might miss chances, but they just come again, come again, come again until they score. And then when they score, they do it again. And, you know, the the levels of skill, ability, fitness is um, is incredible. And, you know, I was talking to a colleague this morning just saying, we do have to pinch ourselves a bit because, you know, you win 5-0 at Old Trafford, 4-1 at Goodison Park. And, um, you know, in my lifetime, you, you have a few of those, the 4-1 win at Old Trafford, for example. You know, you, you have those really good days don't you but they they don't come often they certainly don't come twice in a season and and you know i kind of think we need to pinch ourselves and enjoy this um you know we were discussing just that you know i think the pressure of the title race sometimes you're not able to just take sit back and just enjoy these results in isolation but we certainly should because i mean we're being spoiled rotten aren't we by by an incredible team so i'm loving it i mean it's just it's great to watch it's great to analyze it's great to to work in this industry when when um, you get to, to see this sort of football team. Absolutely, mate. But I think the difference is, though, Dan, for me anyway, is that what Joe's just mentioned about, about having them glorious days within a season where you'll go somewhere and get a fantastic result and then, you know, you, you like a 5-0 at Old Trafford and last night and, and the 4-0 Arsenal. I think the difference now, Dan, is that these aren't flukes. These aren't, these aren't great performances on the right day with everything going your way. These are hard-earned, skillful, world-class performances that, that, that are bringing these results in. And when you look at last night, Jordan Henderson last night was, was incredible. You know, you're getting games off that man now where, where, where you, you're thinking he's, he's 10 years younger than he is. He's, you know, he, he knocks in that goal last night. I mean, he, he just, it was a left-foot wand, wasn't it? And yet, the one against Brighton was right foot. I mean, he's scoring with either feet. And the difference with him, it's almost like there is a, there's an acceptance of their ability now. There's an acceptance of, okay, we can do this because, you know, the the the, the Jordan Hendersons of old would have smashed that sky, that old 40 yards over the bar. He, he, he was renowned for running on stuff and just blazing. There seems to be a maturity and a culture to him now where he just says, I'm just going to, it's bouncing in front of me, but I'm just going to wave me wand and I'm just going to stroke that in. It just feels like this side really believes in itself, Dan. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> What he's saying about Henderson there, you know, he's like a fine wine, isn't he? He's 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 matured with age, and he just seems to get better and better. Some, you know, you, you can look at some players, for example, the likes of Michael Owen. You know, his best years were very much in the first half of his career. Even someone like Fowler, who wasn't particularly reliant on pace like Owen was, whereas other players actually seem to hit new levels. They almost have to suffer for a while, and there's no question Henderson certainly did in his early days at Anfield, and even really, I'd go as recently as. You know, the season we ended up winning the European Cup. Um, you know, Van Dijk had come in the year before. I think everyone kind of assumed that he was basically the de facto captain, even though Henderson was wearing the armband. And I, you know, a couple of members seeing a couple of interviews and wondering, is there a little bit of an edge there? You know, you know, H Henderson's a shrewd character. We've seen and heard enough about him to know that he's not just a footy player. He's got a very smart, perceptive head on his shoulders. And I think he must have known really how things were going for him. And, you know, the, the, he scored a vital goal in a big win away to Southampton towards the end of that season, which really seemed to kick yeah. him on. Obviously played a huge oh, part. From the bench the as well, Dan, wasn't it? And it was, it was Absolutely, yeah. Him, very him much, uh, it was very much a sort of frustrated punch in the air of, I've been benching. I'm still like here. Don't thing. forget what I can do. <coughs> yeah. uh, absolutely. I, I, but it seems that since then, you know, one of the words that I don't think we have used to this, you know, Joe's, fulsome praise for, for, for this team of ours just before. One of the things that really impressed me about this team at the moment as well is the drive, the motivation and the, 
all right, you know, the, you can argue that maybe they knocked off a little bit at 2 0 yesterday because it was because Everton was so poor and it was so easy and it almost needed them getting a goal back to kind of wake us up a little bit. And I do think there is, I have detected a slight sense of that at times from this team. And I think that's something that, that Klopp will certainly be working on because, you know, how to manage a game at 2 0, particularly for an excellent attacking team like ours, is a, is a really important skill to master. And I want to, I think Liverpool kind of, if we are to really kind of, get the most bang for our buck this season in terms of their undoubted promise and ability to win the big prizes. They are going to dominate games. They are going to batter teams at times, but they can't afford to coast sometimes. At the same time, it's that fine balance between managing energy because we saw in Klopp's first couple of years that you can't play heavy metal football for 90 minutes, 60 games a season. So it's a very difficult balance here and we are asking for a lot, but you know they've proved that they're worthy of, that they, they, they give us a lot. And, you know, just to such as well on what, you know, the first half of your kind of point to me there about how important it is, how these results aren't a flash in the pan. I remember saying that after the, after the 5-0 at Old Trafford, when was it? Mid-October. We've had, we've had some great wins there before, the 4-1 under Rafa, 3 in under Rodgers. But they, they kind of felt then a little bit like a, a, a win in isolation. These big results, these, you know, for, for fans of a lot of football teams, they've had lifetime best ever results. They, they're no fluke these days. These are, you know, we can look at the 5 0 Old Trafford, 4 1 at Everton, and actually say in both those games, Liverpool could have scored twice as many goals. You know, we basically declared after 50 minutes at Old Trafford. And, you know, and, and you know, it, it could have been plenty more yesterday. So you just hope that, you know, we're obviously entering a really critical period of the season now with games basically twice a week. Certainly for all of December. And if we get through in the League Cup, it could be for most of January as well. Obviously, we've got the issues of the African Nations Cup, heavy pitches, winter, injuries and so on. So, you know, was it 18 games on the bounce now? Liverpool scored at least two. You know, that, that isn't going to last forever. You know, we only conceded one yesterday. It was a bit of a soft goal right through the middle. But one thing, one thing I particularly like about Southampton and Old Trafford with the clean sheets and, you know, after we've been, Liverpool have shipped more goals than we would have liked to have seen earlier this season, but they do seem to be tightening up a little bit more at the back. And I think that's going to be really important over the next couple of, over the next couple of weeks. I'd be quite happy to see another couple of one nils coming. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want, you, you know, a, a 93rd minute fluke will do as long as you get the three points. I think the, the, the goal scoring ability, Joe, has been phenomenal, hasn't it? I mean, the last, you know, including Porto, it's 14 goals. Uh, in 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 four games, it, it's remarkable. There's a really interesting stat shown last night, the kind of three horse race that it seems to have already become, where it showed um, uh, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, and then West Ham, the top four, and then everyone under the top four in negative goal difference. Liverpool is on Liverpool on plus thirty one, I think, um, uh, and then from and in fifth place onwards, zero or minus goal difference. I mean, that's an extraordinary um, breakaway, isn't it, for three clubs? I mean, West Ham have got plus eight, I think, so they're sort of clinging on. But <clears throat> it's an extraordinary kind of three, really, really strong three-horse race at the moment, isn't it? And can you can you see that changing? Can you see anyone joining that pack? Or are these three just so far ahead that it's a, it's a battle royale between the three of them? I think these three are so far ahead, aren't they? You know, it, it, it is going to be really interesting because, you know, the last couple of years we've had, you know, Liverpool ran away with it, City in the end ran away with it last year. And, and then we had those battles, didn't we, with City the, the year before that. But Chelsea have emerged. 
I think is one of those like snide Chelsea teams that you just got the feeling can can be a title winner. And I wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea like win the title this year and finish eighth next year because they seem to do that, don't they? Mm-hmm. And, and then they come again with the same players the following year. But you know, it, it really is an interesting few teams with different styles. And Liverpool have got this relentlessness, this goal scoring ability. City City can seem to do a little bit of both. They can sort of grind out, or they can. They seem to blow people away at times. And Chelsea just seem to win. I mean, by all accounts, they weren't very good last night, but they, they seem to find ways of winning every week. Um, you know, I, I think City are favourites because probably they can do the the, the, the two that like I've just mentioned. But, uh, I mean, Liverpool's goal-scoring ability, I think it's, it's got to the point where it's, it's so good that, you know, you're talking about winning games 1-0 or whatever. But at the moment, I go into games thinking... Who's going to score more than West Ham did, uh, granted, but who's going to score more than two, three goals against us? There can't be many. And I fancy Liverpool to just, you know, they, they, they can just put as many past anyone they like at the moment. Um, so it's really interesting. And I think, you know, one, one of the guys has written a piece today. Um, I think it's a good point that I think this title race will come down to those small margins, won't it? And that game at Stamford Bridge, I think, is already shaping up to be a massive game. And Liverpool have got to go to the Etihad. So, they're two away games, and we've had two two amazing away days at Old Trafford and Goodison, but they're two away games that you'd take the dodgiest goal and the, the, the crappiest win, wouldn't you? Because really, you know, I think they could shape it now because both all three teams look like they're going to be consistent, look like they're going to beat pretty much everyone else um, home and away. So it already feels like one of those seasons where there could be a couple of points in it come the end of it. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge comes at the end of our nine-game span over Christmas. Obviously, we're not the only ones. Um, <clears throat> you know, everyone's in the same kind of boat, really, aren't they? Certainly, the top three will be anyway with Champions League football uh, as well. Um, but uh, that that is going to be a, a really telling telling uh, point come that time of the year, isn't it? And I think you just mentioned it, Dan. Acon is going to be a huge factor, isn't it? Because we're losing. I mean, out of the three there, we're the only ones losing our front line, really. I know Jota is a fantastic player. Uh, what a sign and he's been. It's incredible when you think about it. I'll just slightly detour and think that if when you look at the trouble that Everton are in, financially, you have to say that when you the players they've spent, you know, spaffed half a billion quid up a wall uh, on, um, I've been, I mean, I've been dreadful, haven't I? And that is the position they find themselves in. Remarkable again that. The Rafa would go to that club knowing he hadn't, didn't have any money. I mean, the, the sign of the season is a £1.7 million pounds of Ali Gray. That that Rafa got on board, by the way. But when you look at these signings, Liverpool, Joss is £40 million quid, and he, I mean, he's going to be pivotal. But you can see that, that he's got goals in him anyway. But but losing Mane and Salah, particularly with Salah's record at the moment, he's 13 goals, 8 assists. I mean, he's a machine. It's extraordinary. Um, and they're going to be a big loss, pal, aren't they? Huge. I mean... Klopp spoke, I think I think I'm right in saying, Joe, towards the end of last week that discussions are still ongoing between Liverpool and a number of clubs to hopefully get the the their departure delayed until the January second games are played. Because yeah. obviously I think Chelsea, City, there'll, there'll be a few te- yeah, yeah. and he see you know, he didn't go into any detail, but you'd like to think that will happen. So I think I think the only two league games they'll miss, I think, is Brentford and Palace, which you know are still six vital points that could make all the difference in the final analysis. But it's not City away, Chelsea away. However, you know, rhythm and momentum is such an important thing, particularly for Liverpool. You know, there's something I think we've, we've, that's become quite clear under Jurgen Klopp. 
he doesn't like a big he doesn't like too big a squad and, and I think one of the reasons for that is that he wants players to have the right kind of rhythm to momentum all that type of thing while at the same time obviously not knackering them out too much so we've seen you know the, the season that always springs to mind when it comes to the African Cup of Nations is uh, is Klopp's first full season in charge when Mane had arrived and we actually I think we beat I think we beat City at home on New Year's Eve um, and we we're only like two or three points off the top. And I don't think I was alone in thinking, you know what? We might just have a little blindside run for the title here. And basically, Mane did one in January and the wheels massively fell off. And we only just scraped top four at the end of the season. Now, obviously, we're a lot further down the track than that. You know, we'll have a far more than just a one-man team. But as has been discussed to the nth degree over the last three or four years, certainly until Jota arrives, scrape beneath the surface of the top three. And obviously there is a drop off in quality. And I say that in no way, in no way, shape or mean to, de- to demean Divock Origi or Takumi Minamino or anyone like that. How can you get like for like replacements for Mane and Salah? Because the two are the best forwards in the world. And no one of that ilk is going to, is going to come and sit on the bench and be prepared to be number two. But it is, it, it is going to be something that, that Klopp and his, you know, and his staff and his recruitment people are going to have to get their heads around Klopp's talked up Minamino quite a lot, hasn't he, in recent weeks? And I think he's kind of got high hopes for him. Divock Origi is Divock Origi. You know, he, he can sometimes have me pulling what little hair I've got left out, but he knows where the goal is, you know, and he's delivered for Liverpool on numerous occasions. So, yeah, it's it's something that's kind of lurking in the background for, you know, for all of us. And I think we're all a little bit curious, stroke anxious to see how that will play out. But... Should be remembered, you know, we're not the only Premier League team to be affected by it, but arguably we might be the Premier League team most affected. Yeah, but there are obviously other teams affected, but not necessarily in the same positions or the most vital positions mm. that we've got. Uh, talking about the current situation we're in then, Joe, watching the game last night, um, Thiago's starting to bed himself in there, isn't he? And it looks like, you know, many people have said that is the midfield that, uh, that Jürgen Klopp wanted to have and wants to play with, and Thiago and and Fab and Hendo certainly put on a show last night, didn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think that was the midfield when he signed Thiago, you know, 18 months ago, that probably was in his head. Um, and with Wijnaldum's contract the way it was, um, as, as much of a good player as Wijnaldum was, it felt natural, didn't it, that that's the three that he'd go for. I, I've noticed, just as you said, that Andrew Beasley has, um, has tweeted, um, Liverpool have played 14 games with Fabinho and Thiago in midfield. 113, drawn one, 439 against six. It's, it's quite incredible, isn't it? You know, and, and I must admit, you know, I, I don't mind saying it. I, I was one of them that had a slight worry about Thiago in the sense that, and I think he's a phenomenal player, by the way, but, you know, phenomenal players don't always fit into certain clubs. They don't always fit into the Premier League. Um, and, you know, I still think at times, you know, against Southampton, he, he dwelt on the ball a little bit, almost gave away a goal there. Um, but, his, his footballing ability is just magnificent. And then when you balance him out with the Henderson, with the energy that Henderson's got, and you balance him out with the, the strength of Fabinho, he just dovetails perfectly, doesn't he, doesn't he, with them? So I think the, the key for them is staying fit. And, and I think that as a midfield three, that they are comparable to any in world football. Um, but their, their biggest issue is whether the three of them can stay fit and play enough games together. And I think if they can... If they can play ninety percent of games between now and the end of the season. I, I I would have my money on Liverpool for the title. My big concern with them is that they they won't play those games together. So I, I hope that they will. And I still don't think Liverpool have enough depth behind them um, to sort of back them up. But 
Yeah, I mean, incredible. And just touching on Henderson, you know, obviously Dan's already spoken about him, but still don't think that uh, Henderson gets enough. Dan, I was going to say Dan doesn't get enough credit. You don't get enough That's credit. That's true as well. It's true. <laughs> but, but I don't think Henderson gets enough credit for um, for the type of football he is. You know, I think when people think of Henderson, perhaps outside of Liverpool more so, they think of energy, they think of fitness. But, you know, as a, as an absolute, as a footballer, the ability, the, the weight of the pass for Salah for his first goal, and the way he took his goal on his weaker foot, by the way. With, with the, the instep. The, the wow. instep, the curl, on the bounce, you know, like, like you said at the start, Neil, it was just incredible. So, just, you know, sometimes Henderson has a game like that and reminds you what a supreme footballer he is. And, yeah, um, if the three of them can stay together, then I, I don't think many teams will be able to live with Liverpool. I think also picking up on that, Joe, about Henderson, not just his ability on the pitch with the ball at his feet, but there was that wonderful time in lock, during lockdown when it would do it behind closed doors where the audio was left on mm. um, and, and, and his comments throughout the game, the encouraging comments, every time a ball went well, it was get in, that was a great ball. But his, it, how vocal he was during a football match as, uh, as the captain was just... Incredible. You couldn't hear from anyone else. I know we probably did exaggerated his his sort of his shouts, but that sort of is the unsung side of his game as well, isn't it? That he's clearly, you know, I, I think I was one of those people back in the days who thought, oh, you know, Van Dyke's your captain there, isn't he? Surely, I mean, Henderson is he that leadership quality? Well, boy, was I wrong, mate. Because when I heard that audio, uh, it made me very, very proud. It made me proud of him, proud of myself, proud, not proud of myself, proud of the club and proud of the team that mm-hmm. that they work to that ethic where he was encouraging everyone. And, and it, it gave you a real insight into the kind of family-type situation they have there at Anfield, mate, where, uh, Dan. So they, they 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 encourage each other. And then you look at it with the likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's starting to certainly come to form now. He's, he, it feels to me like he's been encouraged to 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 do a slightly different position in the sense that it matters that he loses the ball rather than, well, I'll have a little dinky running if I lose it, I lose it. He seems to be a lot stronger now. And it... it it just feels like a real unison, doesn't it, at the moment, Dan, the way they're playing? I think for me, one of the most impressive things about Jordan Henderson's is leadership is is his example. You know, I, I, as you've said, obviously, there was that kind of video that went kind of viral last year when you could hear all his little his instructions on the pitch and the way he chivvy those around him. And, you know, in a, you know, in a game of football, you need, you need talkers, you need leaders on a pitch and, and more than just the one that's wearing the armband. But what impresses me most about him is is the way that he's prepared to roll his sleeves up and do the donkey work. Like Joe said, you know, he's 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 a class footballer, and I think that very much gets gets forgotten sometimes, particularly outside of his. I'm not to say outside of Liverpool supporters, outside of the people that like him, because even last night, and, and I'd, I'd say last night was one of his best games he's had for the club in a long time. But there was someone behind me that, on the rare occasions that he gave the ball away. It was on his case, and I was like, you know, and obviously we were two up in two up in twenty minutes, and uh, you know, so some people once they once they've formed an opinion on a footballer will not be swayed no matter what, and and you know that's that's their business. But it, it, it's it as, as well as the as well as the whistles and bells, the, the the fancy things to his game, he's prepared to do the ugly things. He'll drop back in at left back if Robbo's bomb forwards. He'll 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 nip over to the right to support Trent when he needs it. He's a magnificent leader on and off the pitch, and he represents the club um, in the, in the best way possible. And I just think it's a great story because you know, obviously, at the start of his career, he was nearly sold to Fulham in exchange for Clint Dempsey. Um, like I say, even as recently as two or three years ago, 
you kind of felt is he is he becoming a bit marginalised? Is he on the fringes a bit? But he's absolutely proved that he deserves to to wear the armband. And I think there's no question now in my mind he will go down as one of Liverpool's greatest captains. And not just because he's won the two big prizes, but because of what he's been through, how he's lifted and inspired and improved those around him. And, you know, did he did, did he sign his new contract in the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I really think that's one of the most important bits of business Liverpool have done in quite some time. I think inevitably, you know, and, and what Joe said before about, you know, is there really sufficient depth behind him that's something that the, the, the one thing to pick up on your previous points as well Joe about this midfield of Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson without question they're the best three and if they can play the majority of the games then not just winning I, I wouldn't just have us as favourites to win the league but also the European Cup however the reality is but all of them are nudging 30 mm-hmm. and, you know realistically you're going to have to preserve them so that's why the likes of Oxley chamberlain who, who I think is has had rotten luck throughout his Liverpool career, but seems to be becoming more consistent in his performance, in his effectiveness in different parts of the pitch. Um, and the likes of Curtis Jones and, and others behind them. I think Henderson's going to have a vital role in really passing the baton on to them to ultimately mean that, you know, if one of those top three <laughs> midfielders isn't available, there isn't such a, a drastic drop off as maybe what there has been previously. Yeah, and we're going to need to do that, aren't we? I mean, there's there's, there's lots of uh, of names that have been bandied around. There's certainly a name of a future Liverpool signing that I would love them to at least look into is Jude Bellingham, Joe, because that's a kid who seems to tick all the boxes when it comes to you know when you get these players who are doing they were doing things in their early career ten years advanced of what of what other players were doing, and that kid, you know, they retired his shirt, didn't he, when he left the club? He uh, goes to Dortmund, and uh, I, I, he just seems to have that that mercurial kind of feel to him when he's playing football. And when Dan's talking about your midfielders, you know, pushing 30, it's players like that we need to be looking into, don't we, Joe, to perhaps to, to be to be looking over the shoulder of the rear garden and then saying, well, we're, we're going to come in and take the mantle now. They're the kind of people they need. To, I, th- I don't necessarily think we've got them at the club at the moment is the point I'm trying to make. We need to, we, we need to look for them, I think, for the future, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I thought in the summer... You know, I wanted them to sign a midfielder. I thought, you know, a lot of people were talking about the attack, but I, I certainly thought the midfield was an area where Ryan Aldham going that they just needed someone who plays a bit more. You know, let's face it, as I've just said about Thiago Henderson and, and to a lesser extent, um, Fabinho, one of their issues is fitness. And, you know, someone like Jude Bellingham as a young lad who, you know, you, you think would come in and, and do well, but then he would have to play, wouldn't he? And, and this is where. You know, I think the proof will be in the pudding with Liverpool in the summer, whether they do go out and buy a Jude Bellingham, because we know they, they like him a lot. And, you know, I certainly think if he's available, Liverpool will want to be in the conversation. But it would be a good time to buy him, I think, wouldn't it, next year with all those three players a year older. And, you know, he's a player that's going to come in and he would have to have a certain amount of football. He's not going to come in and play, you know, and play third, fourth fiddle to those three, is he? So, you know, he'd want to play a certain amount of football. So maybe it would be easier to transition him into the team the following season, so it might be a little bit of genius from Liverpool at play, um, but he's a he's a great player, and and he's, he's the sort of player like you were just saying. You can just tell, can't you? I, I think you can just tell with Harvey Elliott. You know, I think him as a player, when you see when you see the way he controls the ball, when he moves with the ball, the way he plays alongside other seniors. You know, Bellingham's like that. You know, but perhaps well, yeah, I think it's fair to say he's more advanced than Harvey Elliott. You know, so you can just tell what a classic 
classy player is. You won't come cheap, but Liverpool have shown that when they're really, really certain about someone, um, like Van Dijk and Allison, that they will spend big, big money for them. So I wonder whether they've been saving it all up for someone like Bellingham. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, I mean, just to pick up on what something Dan said there, I mean, one of the things I like about this Liverpool team is they're all fighters, aren't they? You know, someone like Oxlade Chamberlain, who every time you think someone like him is, is down and out, and I've got to be honest, you know, I liked Oxlade Chamberlain, but coming into this season, I thought, you know, he's not really going to make an impact. But now you see him play and think, well, actually, he's he's forced his way back again and is now looking like he can be someone who can factor into what could be a, a season where we win major trophies. And the same with Minamino, the same with Origi, how many times? You know, even people like like Henderson, like Matip, uh, the guys who, who've been in, through really difficult times at Liverpool and come back um, and, you know, and, and establish themselves. So it's a, it's a characteristic that just runs straight throughout the squad. And again, I think that filters down from having a captain who has been through those experiences, who passes on his... Is, is wisdom and and ensures that people's heads don't drop and a manager who does the same you know the, it comes it comes a lot from him doesn't it but it's an incredible characteristic to have and it's good if you know if you have a defeat like West Ham their heads don't drop do they they come back and they, they believe in what they do and they just do it all again and get straight back to winning ways so it's really 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 positive and you know if they can add the player of Bellingham's stature to a, to a squad like this then well, yeah um, I think we'd all be very excited wouldn't we? Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Well, I think we would. I think <clears throat> you don't know how much of uh, Oxlade Chamberlain's newfound kind of strength comes from his new parent. He's a father now and yeah, yeah. maturity and, and kind of realizing that, you know, life, uh, life, life has to be worked out. And these little things can make such a big difference in someone's mind mentally. You know, Oxlade Chamberlain, before before he's had his baby, is, was the one in the dressing room asking about that one. And you know, playing all the music and dancing around the place, which is great and really positive to have in, in a in a dressing room. But you know, there might just be a little bit of maturity coming to him now, with, with as I say, with him being a father and realizing that he's getting on and he and he wants to stake a claim. Because certainly his performances of late, when he's been coming on, have been have been uh, I've been reassured. Have they been? You know, they've been they've been confident displays and he's been fitting into the team quite well. It's it, it, it does bode well for the future. Interestingly, I read today just on the eve of Liverpool. Liverpool playing their Wolverhampton that uh, the Wolves are slashing the asking price on Adorma Traore. I mean, is he someone you could see dashing down the wing, Danke? Well, he's been linked with Liverpool quite a bit, hasn't he, over the last couple of years. He's a, he's a quite unique physical specimen, isn't he? You know, he looks like he could be a, an American football player or a rugby league player. Um, he's got, you know, lightning pace and built like a brick outhouse, to use the family-friendly version. Um <laughs> You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool do look to do a bit to do a bit of business, and particularly if, as the you know, if if has been suggested that you know, it's it it will be less than the mega numbers that were being talked about maybe twelve to eighteen months ago when his star was very much at its peak. <clears throat> you know, there's there's often some real bargains to be had with players at kind of that stage in their career, maybe similar to Oxley Chamberlain now. Or, or, or Chamberlain a couple of years ago, rather when he was at Arsenal, where someone's kind of made the name, made the name for themselves somewhere, kind of done okay a little bit, but then kind of hit the skids a little bit and needs a bit of a change. I think you know it, it feels quite a, a poignant moment to kind of use Ray Kennedy as, as an example mm-hmm. for that. Obviously, very sadly he passed away this week, 
very well documented that, you know, at 19-20, he was scoring the winning goal to help Arsenal win the league on the way to the double. Three years later, him and Arsenal's fortunes had kind of faltered somewhat. He was Bill Shankly's last signer for Liverpool on the day he quit. And he ended up being one of the most, you know, one of the, one, one of Bob Paisley's absolute key lieutenants during arguably one of the most dominant periods of Liverpool's history. So it takes a real, a finely tuned eye, I think, you know, in, in, in the football scouting departments to be able to identify someone with ability that maybe just needs a little bit more direction, change of position, change of tack, whatever. So if, if Liverpool could pull a, a bit of magic off with, with Trey Roy there, then it, it would be potentially very interesting because there's no question he's, he's got bags of ability and we've seen it in recent years when Liverpool have, have played Wolves. Yeah, sorry, to dive, sorry to dive in, but just look at Jossa, like what you said there. You know, yeah. he's, he's a type of player who, he was good at Wolves, but I don't think any one of us would have sat here and gone, Jossa will score. You know, it looks like he's on for like almost a 20-goal season season this year. I don't think anyone of us would have sat there and gone, Jossa would be the, the player. And, and they've taken him and just turned him up a notch, haven't they? And, and it's incredible the way they do it. And, you know, it, it just does underline their genius when they can find players like that and say, well, slot him on, into our team and do this with him, tweak him here, tweak him there. And suddenly you, you, you're making a, a pretty much a world-class player. So it's, it, it is incredible. And, you know, Traore is not one that I've ever been like that impressed with, but I certainly think Certainly, think Liverpool could could make him better. I can remember him playing. At, I don't know if it was in Anfield where he played. He absolutely terrorised Robinson, terrorised him. And every time he got that ball, he was bounding down. And it is like a, you know, it's like a juggernaut running at you, isn't it? And um, an interesting one because very, very skillful as well. And only that I read it today, it, it, it came to mind. And thinking that if they have knocked a few zeros off, it could be quite an interesting bit of business for Liverpool to do. <clears throat> Just getting back on what you said about um, about Jota, job. It's interesting because they've become a more dynamic from three with Jota now, haven't he? Do you agree? I mean, I think, I think with Firmino on the side, who you know, I, I absolutely love Firmino. He's an absolute legend. But it feels to me over the last few seasons that there's, there's, his his actual attack and threat has waned. He's much more of a supplier for a number nine. He's much more one who relies on um, trying to slot other players in. Whereas Jota, I noticed Jota scoring a couple of goals the other day, and he took took one of them off. Off Salah's but the Arsenal, the, 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 he scored yeah. a brace. He took he took both of them really off off Salah's foot, didn't he? Or was one of them actually he came diving in? Salah was behind him, and he and, and he and he just sort of nicked it past the post. And you could see Salah was thinking. I, I had the feeling that Salah was thinking for me. No, doesn't get in my way like this <laughs> <You know? laughs> because Jota brings a different dimension, doesn't he, Dan? He's a different kind of. He's a different player because he wants to score the goals himself. Whereas I feel like sometimes with Firmino, his first thought is is trying to slot other people in. So it gives that dynamic now. You've got them three. I know Bobby's going to come back and, and, and I'm thankful for it and looking forward to it because it just adds another dimension. But I think with that front three, with Mane and Salah and Jota, it must be a nightmare because Jota sits between the line, doesn't he? And they, they just generally don't know how to defend against the three of them. No, it's, um, you know, it, what you always want is is different options. And, you know, Firmino and Jota, even if they met ostensibly play in the same part of the pitch and in the same position. They're very, very different players. You know, we, we haven't too often seen them in the same lineup together. It's not always, but quite often it's one or the other. But I I, I think as a supporter, that's what you want to see. You know, the, the last thing you want is for your team to be predictable and, and, you know, and, and, and for opposition to basically say, well, we know how they're going to play. No matter what the personnel is, 
you know, it's easier for them to kind of come up with, put plans into place to deal with that. The beauty of Jota is that he's, he's, he's very, very versatile. I mean, he obviously, he, he often does play as the central man in the front three, but he can play either side as well. You know, he's, he's quite useful on the flanks. He can, he can put a ball in. Um, but also, as you, as you said, Fitzy, I think he's got more of a, more of a striker's mentality. When it, when he's in that box, as we scored, as we saw last night, when when he span Alan, you know he's at quite an acute angle, and plenty of players, and quite possibly Bobby, a lot of the time would be maybe looking to pick somebody else. As soon as he made the space for himself, there was only one place that was going, and there's a mag- there's a great picture from behind the goal, which I think I saw the club tweet with one of those kind of like open mouth emojis this morning. And the emoji actually looks like Jota's face. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant photo because you literally the ball just hitting the roof of the net, and obviously he's watching it fly in there like that. That was a real striker's mentality. So, I mean, I'm a huge, and I know Joe is as well. I'm a huge Firmino fan, and, and I really hope we've got another couple of years to enjoy him in a red shirt because I just think he gives a different dimension. But there are going to be some occasions when you want someone like you know to use the word you use Fitzy, a bit more dynamic, a bit more front foot on the nose that's really going to take it to defenders and put them on the back foot. And I think having the two of them there gives us that kind of perfect, you know, variety of approach which which all the best teams have and need. And also as well, Joe, we have the wonderful luxury of knowing that we can play one for the other anyway during the game. So if he starts with Bobby. He can always bring him off and put Jota on and vice versa. So we have, and they are two, like you said before, Dan, two such different contrasting uh, playing styles that bring another headache to an opposing team. Um, we have, of course, the dead rubber that is Milan. I mean, extraordinary to think as well, Joe, isn't it, that this team, as well as what they're doing in the Premiership, I've, 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 put, the, the, I've put the group stages of, of the Champions League to bed in such an incredible fashion. If they win against Milan, I mean, I think that's the first club to ever win all six. It's not certainly the first time Liverpool will have ever won all their games. It's an extraordinary feat, isn't it? And uh, and, and yet again, as in the Premiership, they're, they're, they're blazing the trail uh, and, and terrifying uh, clubs all over the world when it comes to Europe. Yeah, and it's certainly been the first English club to, to win all six. And, and again, that is, it, it's kind of been forgotten about. That is incredible. It's incredible. And they have won six games against three no-mark teams, they, they've done it. Well, they, haven't done it. they haven't done it yet. They've won five games. But Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid, the Spanish champions, Liverpool beat them home and away. And, and at home, Atletico never got near them. So, you know, I think that that's incredible. Milan, Milan will always be Milan to me. And even if they aren't as, as good as they were, to still beat them is some achievement. Um, so, I mean, what Liverpool have done in Europe, I think... They, they should they should have been putting put Europe on notice with the way they've played in this group stage. You know, nobody, I know it's a cliche, but nobody wants Liverpool do they in the, in the last sixteen. Nobody wants anywhere near us. Um, and I and I think, you know, there's one team I wouldn't want, and that's City. You know, and I think because City know all about us, and we have those very close games, don't we? Either way, but you know, any team in Europe, you'd fancy Liverpool over two legs to win. So. You know that they stand a, stand a great chance. So be good. They can go to the San Siro next week and just enjoy themselves, can't they? Um, and we can see people like um, you know some people like Minamino, people like Origi get some minutes that they'll need because come January we'll need them. So um, that's great, um, and, it, and it means Liverpool can concentrate in the league, doesn't it? So it, it's it all around the Champions League has just been a roaring success so far. So hopefully it's that continues as well. 
Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. And also, also as well, great to just see players, you know, very, very important players for the team coming off with 10 minutes to go and knowing that they've got through another game. And, and it's brilliant team management, isn't it, by by by, uh, by Klopp. He's, he's navigating us through a really tricky time by by getting that, you know, getting the, the, the getting the, the, the hand around the throat of the other teams, if you like, controlling the games and then knowing with 10 to go that everyone's okay and you can bring them off and they can have an early shower. And it just... It just bodes so well for for for, for getting us through this uh, these these testing times, Dan. Yeah, it's it's a lovely position to be in. I mean, you could really tell Liverpool were really up for it last night. Meant business from the off. Obviously, I think we've gone three derbies without a win, and obviously lost our proud twenty-plus year unbeaten home record to the Blues the last time the sides met at Anfield. But you know, it's been quite a regular theme in recent weeks that. Um, you know, get the game won nice and early, as we as we've been saying just before, particularly with those midfielders and really the front lads as well. You know, all, you know, the, all right, Joss is twenty four, but the main front three are all nudging thirty as well. So when you can, it it, it, it serves it serves a dual purpose, doesn't it? You're not just resting the legs of the lads who started, but you're getting minutes into the legs of the lads who come on, making them feel involved, and it just makes it more difficult for the opposition as well because they might have just kind of maybe tried to get to grips with. These these world class players in front of them, and then they've got other world class players coming off the bench. So, I think it's you know, being able to control games and manage games is such an important facet for elite teams, which is what Liverpool are. And if if you know if Liverpool are to you know, at the, when the business end of the season comes round, being that being the shout for the for the big prizes that we all want, then it's really important that the squad is managed the right way. But I've got you know, I I couldn't imagine anyone better. And Jurgen Klopp and the staff he's got around him to do that in the best in the best way they can. Yeah, he really cares, doesn't he? Well, I, I mentioned <clears throat> earlier on about Liverpool having a family attitude, and I must I must mention Dan something that's close to your heart that's uh, finally coming onto the TV screens um, after a long, long delay because obviously of court proceedings and stuff like that. But something that's that's going to be a, a really emotional journey for a lot of Liverpool fans is um, is the the, the drama and that. Um, yeah. It, it, that is coming on, uh, written by Kev Sampson, and I know you were very, uh, very heavily involved as well, Dan, weren't you? So um, it's going to be, um, it's going to be an, an emotional roller coaster, I think. But finally, uh, the country uh, and beyond will see what an incredible woman Anne Williams was. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we're hoping that the uh, the drama and there's an accompanying documentary is going to be shown early in um, early in the new year, hopefully in January. It will be very emotional, obviously, you know, quite upsetting in parts as well, because it's, you know, there's no getting away from it. It is a devastating story. But also, we hope it's going to be very uplifting for people. Um, you know, it's it's a timeless story, you know, ordinary people thrown into a horrendous situation, but stuck together and, and fought against the odds and changed history. Um, and it's yeah, the, 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 the other really important aspect to it as well, I think, and I know Anne's family would, you know, would, would want this point made clear, it's it's very much Anne's story, and it's about the story of her and her family. But I think it's a story that a lot of other Hillsborough families and survivors will be able to relate to, and and also as well, you know, just I think just ordinary people who've maybe had tough times in their life, but you know, were handed a, a raw deal, but fought back from it and and found a way to build better life lives for themselves. So um, you know, a lot a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears has got has gone into making these programs. But we you know we we really hope it gets a uh, a good reception in the new year and people feel that it does it does justice to uh, you know a really incredible lady 
Yeah, and then the extraordinary Maxine Peake. It's a great cast anyway, because I know I know we obviously have some brilliant Liverpool actors in it as well, Absolutely. and Maxine Peake is extraordinary. So the best of luck with that, Mason. And I know that Thank we'll... Uh, with you being involved in the kid and Kevin, that, that, that it's going to come from the heart and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a really really good watch. So so congratulations on getting it that far. Anyway, mate. Yeah. Um, just uh, just to uh, wrap up the pod, I'm just going to read you through uh, what our next load of games are. We all know this anyway, but just to keep us abreast of it. So far, so good. But we got Wolves away Saturday, um, three o'clock kickoff, of course, at Molyneux. Then we got that dead rubber group of death. My ass, as Jim Royal would say. Um, <laughs> Milan, seventh uh, of December. Then a little matter of Mr. Gerrard coming back um, on the eleventh of December, a week on Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Uh, Stephen Gerrard comes back to um, uh, to head his Aston Villa side. It's going to be a very interesting and different um, kind of uh, uh, welcome, isn't it, Joe? For for Stephen Gerrard, obviously um, he hasn't taken over Everton, so it's not going to be a hostile one. Um, but it's going to be a bittersweet thing, isn't it? Because uh, obviously, for many people. He is tipped as a future way, 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 way down the line. That is, um, if you listen to Mr. Klopp, but um, certainly someone who, who who hasn't finished his um, his amazing story at Liverpool, you would imagine. But it's going to be interesting to see him in, in the uh, the opposing dugout, and um, I hope to get thrashed. But um, <laughs> but it's going to be an interesting and, and you know a kind of emotional one for the fans as well, Joe. And I'm sure Stevie. Yeah, you, you get some ovation, Murray, and, and I, I've said before. I think I think this job. Is a really good step for him if he can take Aston Villa and move them onwards. Then he'll only make himself a bigger contender for the Liverpool job when it finally does come up, like you say, hopefully in the the long distant future. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm really pleased for him. I, I just think he carries himself like a manager, doesn't he? He just holds himself like like an elite manager. You know, the way he talks, press conferences, and, you know, even even already Villa seems to have come back with you know they won two games and look. Last night, it sounds like they, they battled City all the way and, and lost to two pretty incredible goals. Um, so, you know, I, I think already we're seeing the, the Steven Gerrard fight inserted into Villa. So that should be really good. And just, just about last night, then quickly on Rafa, I, I don't know whether either of you two felt this, but I, I just, it was horrible. It was horrible seeing him. You know, like, I love I love Rafa and, you know, I, I know you two do as well, but I just... I want to say why did you take that job? You know, it was no good for anyone. We don't like seeing you there. They don't want you there. And seeing him on the touchline yesterday was just um it was like a, a dagger through through the heart. So um, it was I mean me and Joe were talking about this this morning. And the word we both used was it just you know obviously made up Liverpool won, but it just felt a bit sad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And kind of you know to, to see him being harangued like this and his reputation being kind of you know trashed it, not but not in our quarters but but by theirs. I, I can't, I, you know, I, I can't understand why he took the job, but I, you know, I just, I didn't want it to be like that. Like I wanted, I always wanted us to win, but I wanted them to give, you know, give us a game and it to feel like a blood and thunder derby. And it almost felt like bullying almost last night because they were just so hopeless. And it also felt to me like they wanted, the Everton fans wanted it to go that way so they could vent discipline. It was, mm. you know, I, I, yeah, I love Rafa to death, but it is inexplicable to me and always will be how he, I mean, it's the worst decision since. Since JFK turned around and said to Jackie, it's a lovely day. Let's keep the sunroof down today. Um, it's just ridiculous. I don't understand what he possibly could have gained from going there. You know, it wasn't the last job on earth. If this is the thing, other things would have come up. Other other jobs this year. He's now tipped to be the next man to be sacked. There is massive unrest. And more importantly, he had no money. It wasn't like they were going to say, well, here's, here's 200 million. 
mould it in your shape. You're a cle- He's took this job on. <laughs> with him and, it was only him and Michelle he wanted it. I don't think Ken Wright wanted it. What in the name of God did you know? Did somebody throw a half at him and it hit him on the back of the head? And he's he's woke up and realised he signed the contract with Everton. I just don't understand what went on. So I did. It was horrible to see. He made a really weird comment last night as well, um, Rafa, in the post-match uh, interview when he said, you know, the guy doing the interview was pretty merciless, but he said something about Mo Salah and you know the finishing, the devastation of the front three. And he said something like, well, you know, when you when you pay big sign and money like that, when you can afford big signings like that. And it was a really odd thing to say because first and foremost, they weren't big signings uh, in, in, in monetary terms. They were, you know, 30 yeah. odd mil plus. Well, I, I felt for him, I really did, but but it's it, it will always remain inexplicable to me what he ever thought was going to happen any different than, than, than what is going on right now. Um and if and listen, they've got a big game against Arsenal. And um, and Arsenal are on the rise and they're not. And if they don't get a result there, I think he's hanging on by his fingertips. Anyway, let's not end on that. It is unfortunate, but, you know, the Reds, it, it, you, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword in that respect. And unfortunately, uh, the Reds, you know, took him to task and, 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 and uh, long may it continue, quite frankly, certainly for Liverpool. Uh, you did mention Ray Kennedy. If there's anyone listening here who doesn't, doesn't uh, uh, is too young to appreciate Ray Kennedy, just remember this. The Liverpool you see now is built on the shoulders of players like Ray Kennedy and players like Ian St. John and players like Ray Clements and players that we're losing, unfortunately, all too readily. Um, Ray, Ray Kennedy was an incredible footballer and a real heart of midfield, uh, a, a great scorer of goals, a great provider of goals, really tough. And all the things that you associate Liverpool with in midfield now, your Graeme Soonesses, your Steve McMahons, your Jimmy Cases, they all owe a nod, the Steven Gerrards, they all know a nod. To Ray Kennedy, he was an absolute Anfield great, despite of obviously as well having a really good career at Arsenal to start off with. But you know, there's no mistaking where he made his name and where he made his legend. So, um, uh, R.I.P. Ray Kennedy from everyone listening to Poetry Emotion from every Liverpool fan, Joe Rimmer and Dan Kay. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate your input as ever. Um, hope you have a great Christmas. Fingers crossed. We'll be I'll be speaking to you before Christmas anyway. Um, Liverpool carry on with their incredible. And that lovely word that that, that that I think is the kind of byline for Liverpool now, relentless. It's a relentless surge and a relentless team and, and long may that continue. Guys, thank you very much. Really appreciate your inputs. Go and get your boiler fixed, Dan. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, mate. Yeah, be there between nine and next Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> good luck to you, mate. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Dan. Uh, that is it from me, from uh, Poetry in Motion. Uh, keep believing in the Reds and keep watching and just remember how lucky we are to be watching this incredible team at such a wonderful time uh, in their careers and in ours as fans. It is brilliant and long may continue. Up the Reds. See you all again soon. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.